So I'm not sure how many of you have seen the video of Greta Thunberg, the 16-year-old young Swedish woman who captivated the world with her speech before the United Nations Climate Control Summit last month in New York. Like a modern-day prophet not looking to win a popularity contest, she passionately spoke truth to power. Greta's constant refrain to her elders, world leaders at the summit, and all of us listening, she said, how dare you, as she enumerated all the ways that we are ruining the environment for her generation and the generations to come. However you might critique Greta Thunberg is, she is one bold young woman. We can trace the issue of caring for the environment back to our creation story in this week's Torah portion, Bereshit, in the beginning. Interpreting a verse of Torah is not just a spiritual or intellectual exercise that takes place around a table for Torah study each week in synagogues around the world, um, as it so beautifully happens at Temple Solel, 9 to 10 every Saturday morning. How we, how we interpret just one verse of Torah can have a dramatic impact on what our world looks like today. So after five days of creation, everything is in place except for humanity. Finally, on the sixth day, we read, Vayira Elohim et ha'adam b'tzalmo, b'tzalem Elohim bara oto, zachar un keva bara oto. And God created man in his image, in the image of God, he created him male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, be fertile and multiply, fill the earth and master it. And rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the living things that creep on earth. Though Judaism is surely influenced by the creation myths of the ancient Mesopotamian world, Torah offers a radical change. Human beings, and here's the radical change, human beings in our story have agency. We are given the capacity to create and take responsibility for creation. A common interpretation of this verse says that being creative in God's image makes human beings God's agents on earth assigned to rule over all of creation. Rabbi Shai Held observes that some environmentalists have placed the blame for the Western world's despoilation of the earth squarely at the Bible's feet. Uh, 
It can easily be read, this verse, that God planned all of this explicitly for man's benefit and rule. No item in physical creation had any purpose save to serve man's purposes. In this way, the environmental crisis is rooted in religious arrogance towards nature. Yet as readers, we should all be cautioned not to read selectively, rather to support a position that might not suit our desires and needs. As Rabbi Held points out, God blesses all living creatures of the earth to be fruitful and multiply, not just human beings. Read in this way, the biblical creation story can be read as a hymn to biodiversity, which is seen as unambiguously good in its own right. Yes, humanity is given responsibility to be masters over the earth, yet not recklessly so, more as custodians and stewards of the earth. We are not meant to be comfortable seeing ourselves as kings and queens with power over others, yet we can read Ezekiel and the Psalms metaphorically as they make this abundantly clear. The task of a king or queen is to care for those over whom they rule, especially the weakest and most vulnerable. This means that human beings are expected to care for the earth and its creatures. Such is the responsibility of royalty. Such is what comes from being created in God's image. Torah, on one hand, establishes human primacy, yet on the other hand, it comes with enormous responsibility. Torah is clear that human stewardship over creation is not a license to exploit. We must, and we, yet we haven't figured out how to be responsible stewards in that position. That's what Greta Thunberg's message is. How dare you abuse your stewardship in this way? I would invite us not to limit ourselves to just our biblical creation story. We can expand upon Jewish wisdom by adapting the story a bit. Perhaps we could imagine another version of the sixth day when humanity is created and given our job assignment, as it were. We would all do well to read Richard Powers' Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, The Overstory. Has anybody here read The Overstory? Oh, good. Good, good, good. You heard it here. Powers created some of the most compelling, uplifting, real, fallible, heartbreaking characters that I have ever read. Through his characters, Powers beseeches us not simply to look at the world for our own utility. Powers invites us to listen to the trees around us, the song of all of creation. 
and to see ourselves as part of interconnected with all of creation. Not as human beings in the center, rather human beings as partners, surely not the only caretaker to think about how we are nourished from the earth. Although Powers weaves together a stunning spectrum of interdisciplinary scientists, sciences, he recognizes that the best fact-based arguments in the world will not change a person's mind. The only thing that can do that, Powers asserts, is a good story. And he has surely written one for us to read. Torah offers a magnificent story inspired and that has sustained generations of Jews and people of all faith. Yet our story is not finished. Can we at once be good custodians of the earth without the hubris of placing ourselves in the center? Humility and strength in Judaism go hand in hand. As we begin this new year, maybe it's humility we need to embed more deeply into our story. Perhaps it was humility uh, that Bob Dylan was thinking of when he asked, how many roads must a man walk down before we can call him a man? How many, how many, how many? Perhaps we'll be open enough to the world around us to find the answers blowing in the wind. Mm -hmm.